Hey everybody, you're listening to Sit Down with Stand-Ups and Musicians. My guest this week is the lead singer and songwriter for the English Beat and General Public. He is the godfather of two-tone ska. I'm sitting here with Mr. Dave Wakeley. Oh, thank you very much indeed. The happiest man in ska right now. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm uh, exhausted but exhilarated uh, working on this album. And uh, I like to sing at night time, you know, the same time as we do concerts. So I've been doing the graveyard shifts. Oh, wow. And uh, so I did some vocals from about 10 till about 1 a.m. And then we had some guests in and uh, we carried on working till about 4. And I got <laughs> home at about 5 and I couldn't sleep. Oh. And then I had to get up at 10.30 and get back to the studio by 12. And we'd just done... I didn't have to do it, but the bass player did. We did the last three bass guitars that were to do on the record. And uh, came down here, had a shower, and, and here I am. So I'm <laughs> kind of so dizzy, but um, I'm happy dizzy. So uh, the songs are sounding amazing. They're sounding better than they did in my head when I wrote them. They're wow. becoming more powerful. And uh, the sounds that we've got up are, are tremendous. It's a... I heard you're recording a lot on like 50s and 60s instruments and equipment. Is that true? Yes. Well, it's a great studio, NRG Studios in North Hollywood. Uh, they've done a couple of No Doubt records there. Oh, awesome, yeah. Lincoln Park and a lot of sort of modern new rock or whatever it's called, you know. But uh, they have an amazing collection of amplifiers from the 50s and 60s and an amazing collection of instruments too. So uh, today we were playing the bass on a 1963 P bass that's probably worth 20 grand, you know. (laughs) And it just sounds exquisite. And they've got it down very cleverly. They've got all the high-tech stuff, but they've also got a collectible dream of uh, just the the best amplifiers and the best guitars from the last 50 years. A Watkins Dominator amp from the 50s. Um, I've been uh, through an AC30... Uh, 63 <laughs> and I'm not usually a gearhead you know what yeah. I mean but what's been amazing is that the sounds of these things we recorded the drums for example onto 2 inch tape with a 16 track head just the right amount of tape compression the sound living and deep so all the sounds so far on the record there's no synthesised sounds at all and I'm not sure whether there will be they're all organic sounds recorded through the best amplifiers and the best microphones anybody could want to collect or maintain beautifully, and then put into the Pro Tools system so anything right. can be moved anywhere. That's um, incredible. So, like, you have mm. 16 tracks. You're going all the way back. This is, like, old school. Yeah. Do you find it to be more fun or challenging, rather, to, like, a digitally computerized recording of nowadays? The combination of the two is fantastic so that you've got that organic input and then you've got the ability to manipulate it, but you've got the inherent sound of it. Right. You don't have to mess about to get the sound, you know. <clears throat> One of the things that fantastic, I didn't know you could do it, uh, I played all of my guitars direct into the board, with no amplifier at all. And then as the songs develop and the sounds develop, uh, we do what's called reamping. So we reamp our guitars, so they have the Dominator AC30 69 Ampeg. Keith Richard model we used to use. Yeah. and they play your direct guitar through those three amplifiers and see how it fits into the track 
with the other lead guitar or how it fits in the sounds. You can just switch between the amp. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. So you pick which amplifier you like, and then the engineer goes in and fine tunes the amplifier, comes in, listens to it in the track, finds out the sonic spread between that and the other guitar so they don't compete, but they uh, help each other sound better. Um, and bingo, all of it sounds like you can really play. <laughs> because to start with, it's, there's no amp sound, so it's all like... Tick, 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 oh, right, right, like right. Sort of somewhere between a banjo and percussion. So you have no idea what it's going to be like until it goes no. through. I mean, you can hear it, but it's it's got none of the... Bump, so you have to play it like crazy. Right. Come on, <laughs> come on. But then they put it through the amp, and it's like, whoa, now that kid can play. Wow, that's it was incredible. Me. I walked around the corner that they started, I heard this amazing guitar sound, like crack. I was like, wow, what a sound. And I walked towards the studio, and the, the guitar burst out. I was like, yeah, this guitar's amazing. I've got to see what that was. And I got halfway down the corridor. I was like, oh, my Lord, it's me. It's me. <laughs> it sounded amazing. I was like, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I knew it. That's amazing. You didn't even recognize it yourself. <laughs> no, I didn't. It sounded that good. I was like, I thought it must be somebody who knew how to play the guitar. So, yeah, it's worked really well. So it's been 33 years since the last English Beat album. I, I'm going to do one every 33 years. Oh, you know? great. I've been very much into numerology. A lot of threes. Save it for later. Three minutes, 33 seconds. Doors your art. Three minutes, 33 seconds. Without me knowing it, just yes. where it faded out. It was Jesus was 30 to 33. Right. Wasn't it? You know, the Buddha, he kicked up at about the same time. So every 33 albums, at least for the next 200 years... I, There'll be six more albums over well, the next 200 years. This is the plan. We're all looking forward to it. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. And um, You'll get a free copy of each one <laughs> for that. Um, do you... I mean, you have so many uh, fans who have been there since the start, mm -hmm. and you have a lot of fans who are younger. Yep. Um, do you find it like it's a conscious effort that when you're in the recording studio writing music on an acoustic guitar, are you trying to please the guys who are there since the early days and trying to make something new? It's for a the... very interesting question that is because, yes, uh, it started off as a dilemma, then it became a conundrum, <laughs> and now I just gave up on it. Uh, <laughs> you want to make a record that appeals to people who've liked you since the first record, and they go, oh, that sounds just like Dave and the Beat, that does. And you also want to make a record that somebody who's never heard of you, whatever age, Maybe it's lucky enough the song's playing in a store and they hear it and they go, oh, wow, I like that. Who's that? And so I've resisted using too much, like, oh, put that in because that would sound like the beat. You know, uh, the certain parts of it. I've let what's natural develop, but I haven't gone like, oh, come on, let's beat this one up. Right. For the afternoon, what would what what they, what would we have done then? Because if you look at it as well, there's a good chance that it wouldn't sound anything like them early records. Now, say if we'd been playing music for all that time together, I don't imagine it would sound much like. I mean, the three albums Absolutely. sound kind of different from each other. Right, you've, you've creatively one, grown. So one and a pop one. So <laughs> we'd probably be, you know. Zydeco metal you know, who knows you know <laughs> every album was different so uh, you let the song rule it in the end you know you, uh, you don't want too much affectation it's like what would be you know what instruments make the sentiment of the song pop out best you know the music to support the message of it or whatever you're trying to say so at the moment I've let the 
the music, take it in whichever direction it's going. And I also sent some of the rough mixes to the original producer, Bob Sargent. Oh, yeah. And he sent me extensive lists back <laughs> about how to make it sound like the ones he did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, some of which I was like, you're right, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, and I'm expecting more notes from him. The nice thing is that he really loved the songs and, and thought that, that, that they were uh, really strong. And uh, everybody keeps telling me there was a lot of hits on that. So I was like, what's a hit? And I'm like, well, I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I mean, all your albums, every song is a hit. It's just hit after hit. And I don't know, you know, if it's intentional or not. And you, you just mentioned messages in your music. Mm. And... You have such a fun style of music of sort of punk and reggae, mm. but it also has a lot of deep messages, and I feel like a lot of the lyrics is yes. that. I mean, I, it's intentional in a way. When I was a kid, I used to like to go dancing. And when I was dancing, suddenly the lyrics to the songs became like 3D. Even songs that I'd heard many times before, when I was dancing in a club to it, I'd go, oh, I get what he means. Right. Like as if somehow moving my arms and legs and being limbic kind of opened my heart up and when I was in that condition my mind got a bit wider and I could cop to in inferences and intuitions and all those sorts of things and uh, and so it occurred to me when we start, wanted to be in a group was that if you were sensitive about it and you made it in a palatable enough way you could talk about stuff that was a bit awkward that we all have in common in life and you could combine that with a up for dancey sort of beat and then perhaps people would be in the same position I found myself as a teenager when all of a sudden it was as though I'd got a fourth dimension on interpreting the lyrics because I was in, I was moving and uh, and it seems to have worked um, absolutely I mean for me I just I grew up dancing to your music then later on I was listening to it, I was like wow this is actually very deep and impactful I'm like yeah, yeah that's the idea I mean you don't want to cram it down you know no, the most no. important thing is to, uh, is to have a dance and feel better from it but if you're going to say anything you might as well mean it I could write any sort of lyrics really I could write page after page after page of it but um it, it's more than having something to rhyme it, it's having something to say you know something you think has, has been useful to you a lot of the times it's Something will happen that gets the hairs on the back of my neck up or gets my dander up and I'm angry, maybe it's someone on the news or something personal and it sets up something and it bothers you for a few days and then all of a sudden rhyming couplets start to come out <laughs> to try and explain to yourself what's going on and sort of images start to appear to me, little visiony sort of things about... And, and then the, the lyrics start to come with this little video. That's amazing. The sort of thing that I'm... Um, and they're odd images as well. So I get the song going, and these lyrics will start to come, and then I get really scared that I'll forget all of this in a second. <laughs> but, you know, if you're in the shower, you're like, oh, no, no. Right. So you keep going round and round with the poem, and that and it forms a pattern. And as I'm doing that, I get little pictures come. Uh, the love you give lasts forever. And I was really worried I was going to lose the lyrics to that one in the shower. And, and all of a sudden, there's this picture, and it's a nun with two young girls in the corner of a dark room, and a door kicks open, and it's a soldier, a young soldier with a rifle, and he points the rifle, and the moment freezes right there. Wow. None of them knows what's going to happen next, but the love you give lasts forever. That's I don't incredible. know why that was the image, but it's... it's 
it just came. And once I've got those images, then I don't forget the lyric. If I forgot the lyric, then I just have to remember the video. I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah, I Wow. <laughs> I've never heard that before. So you have these images coming with the words at the same time. Yes, they tend to. And they're not really uh, illustrative of the lyrics. It's more like that sort of feeling. The feeling of it. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's incredible. And I heard you guys have been working on this new album for the past decade almost. No. No? Uh, there's a couple of songs that's old, and there's a couple of songs that are this year's, you know. Okay. Uh, there's some songs in the middle there that I'd played live a few years ago, two or three of them, and it didn't seem like I could get a record deal, you know. And it also, I wasn't sure whether there was anybody who wanted to buy a record. So I went on tour, basically, for the last five, six years, and... Um, Started playing the new songs, and then people started turning up at the T-shirt counter saying, um, oh, can I get a copy of that new song he played? And I said, well, there isn't a CD. Oh, well, can I get a CD? Well, I started getting reports back about people asking for a CD of that new song. <laughs> I said, okay, it's time. <laughs> um, I have a lot of friends from the 80s who brought out records, and, and we all know they can tend to somehow, sometimes not go because... They haven't really been touring. They haven't really kept in touch with their fans. Right. And, and people move on. So I didn't want to bring out a vanity record. I thought I'd rather keep the songs in my head, you know, than, than bring it out and nobody wanted to hear them. How embarrassing would that be? So I didn't bother until there was this groundswell of, like, these are really great songs. We, you should, I want to buy a CD of that. And so then I started looking for a record deal and uh, was introduced to the people at Pledge.com so that you could have this... A fan funded record. Wow, yeah. Perfect. And then I found a record company that wasn't the sort of record company was going to give you the money to make a record, but they were terrifically good in this new modern age of being able to use whatever's left right. <laughs> to try and sell whatever you can, you know. And so it's worked out very well. It worked out very well so far. And uh, we're just confirmed an English tour. A UK oh, amazing. tour for right. September into October. We've got um, and the album's coming out in August, correct? I think it's well. The, the record company want to bring it in September now because okay. I want to bring it out in August. But the record company says, "Oh, we can't get vinyl made in time. There's such a shortage of vinyl." And I said, "Well, then bring the vinyl out afterwards." Oh no, it's very important. I was like, "Don't start that record company <laughs> muck with me." Young man. It's like, no, it doesn't. Right. Uh, so we're still sort of pushing. I would really like to have the record come out in August, uh, but we may have to suffice with having a single come out in August okay. and then the album follow in September with, with the, the tour. With the, well, with the tour of England. Yeah. And then we start a tour October and November. We'll be touring the album here. That's in awesome. America and Canada. So, yeah, the whole year's more or less planned out we're booked up now till the middle of October and the, and the rest of the dates are filling in really quick and shows as far out as July are already selling out wow so it seems as though we're on a bit of a roll now that's fantastic it takes an enormous amount of hard work to make something appear effortless <laughs> yeah well uh, you you have such a great you know connection with your audience when you perform and I think You've said that you've sort of grown up with your early fans, and now oh. you have these new fans. Do you test out the, these new songs? Oh, like, yes. And do the audience feedback Absolutely. just let you know right away? Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. 
uh, in the old days when used to, people used to be able to smoke cigarettes in clubs, when we had new songs, we used to call, do this thing called the red light test <laughs> because you'd be playing a song and if you got to it, and it's a new song, so people are half and half, and, oh, I don't know, let's say, well, how does this one go? And then you get to a bit of the song that you're still working on, perhaps, and you'd see loads of cigarettes getting lit. Oh. Like, uh, we lost them. <laughs> it was the red light test. <laughs> now you have to, you can't do it the same way. Right. Know? But it's the same sort of thing in terms of, like, three of, we've got three or four that we play most of the time, and... Uh, you can tell by the dance factor, you know. It's like, have you got the whole crowd moving now? And are they dancing like they've known this song forever? And two or three of them, we've got it to that point. You know, you can see people dance. I've always loved this one. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> acting like it's the B-side of some German They've heard singer. it forever, oh, yeah. I, I always loved this. They're singing along. <laughs> tell them you told me. Yeah, I loved, always loved this one. And, yeah, yes, and that's when you know it's a hit. That's you know? when you that's... know it's a hit. It's familiar enough that they've Absolutely. always loved it. That's fantastic. Mm. Uh, you just mentioned Keith Richards just a second ago, mm. and uh, you taught yourself guitar, and I you did. sort of had your own tuning, kind of like Keith Richards a little bit. Yeah, and it's very similar to Keith Richards. By accident, I, I was playing the guitar upside down and back to front, and I didn't know it, and I didn't know anybody else who played the guitar. And I had some chord books, and I tried until my fingers bled, but it, sounded, <laughs> it didn't sound like George Harrison. It's like, clang! <laughs> so I gave up and tuned it to something that sounded nice and then just went up and down the keyboard with a bar because I wanted to write songs. I didn't want to shred. I just wanted some music right. for the poems, you know. So And it's so fun to watch you play because you have that one finger going up one and down. Finger, I'm like, wonder wakeling. One finger, one away. I'm just like, how is you those need, chords you, coming out of that guitar? You need more than one finger, you're lying, you know. Um, <laughs> that's a very punk yes, at heart. that's yeah. right, yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and it works very well with the other guitar because, the two, like in the Rolling Stones, the two guitars are like chorus against each right. other. It, it gives it a, a, a different feel. Um and then I went on to do another, made up another tuning uh, that saved it for later. Ended up in so. I, and I've been picking my brains out how to figure out that song. Yeah, I finally figured it. Good dad, yes. <laughs> I was trying to get dad gad, and I screwed up and I tuned the G to an A. So I ended up with D A D A A D. Dad hard. It's dead hard to work it out. Not easy at all. Pete now, Townsend called you about that tuning. Is that correct? He did as well. Him and uh, uh, David Gilmore. Dave Gilmore from. <laughs> Pink Floyd, and they phoned up and said, uh, we're trying to work out your song, we can't work out the tuning. Uh, I fell off my chair. <laughs> they were both heroes, you know. Absolutely. Uh, both hero guitarists. And and, and uh, Peter's a lyricist too, his song's meant a great deal to me growing up. So to even hear from, even to get to speak to either of them was, was ridiculous. That's and then... Uh, for them asking guitar tips from <laughs> One Finger Wonder Waking. I was like, I knew you, they'd all come round. Get that Jeff Beck to give me a call yeah. next time. <laughs> and the conclusion is your guitar got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall it of Fame. It certainly did, yes. Which and, is, uh, congratulations, that's amazing. Thank you, I was very pleased and proud of that. And, uh, and then it was for a minute in a left-handers collection an exhibit oh, wow. and I was between Kurt Cobain and Jimi Hendrix oh my which gosh. was like pretty amazing yeah. and I told my friends about it and one wit said you didn't feel like uh, uncomfortable between two dead guys from Seattle <laughs> and I'm like oh I just spoiled don't it, ruin it yeah. I, mean, I didn't think of that <laughs> now I do but uh, <laughs> even if they were I, I don't mind it's Hendrix they were fantastic when they were alive yeah absolutely you know what I mean? uh, 
I feel sorry for the guitar. It doesn't know what's going on. He thinks it's just the <laughs> longest break between sound check and a gig. And the other guitars are laughing at it. Yeah. No, no, we'll be back in a minute. He, I, I've done every gig with him for 27 years, mate. He's not going to walk away, is he? Uh, he's not coming back, you know. So I go back to every time I go to Cleveland, I go in and I talk to the guitar through the little glass This case. is the longest gig ever. You know, so, yeah, I'll be back in a minute. And, uh, and then people in there see me. Mommy, why is that man talking to that guitar? And I have to go and pretend I'm doing something else, and they clear out, and then I come back and talk to the guitar again. So <laughs> I may great. have to have it back at one point. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's it's so cool, though. That's awesome. Yes. Do you mind if we play a little Save It For Later together? I would love to. I was just going to ask. Doesn't mother, does he love us? Must be a sucker for it. Cry, cry, but I don't need my mother. Just don't mind while I come to a decision of it. Sooner or later, you'll ask your way to the ground. Save it for later, don't run. Seven seas are rotten through But what can you do? I don't know how meant to act a load of you a lot Sometimes you never try Just na 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 Pleasure. You have a nice voice there, young man. Thank you, Very sir. Nice. Have a good show, sir. I will do. Thank, Thank you. you. I will now. <laughs>